Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome, everybody, to the Oz Network for a special interlude in 24 as we take a break from episode number nine or 10 or wherever we're at right now from season one to talk to somebody who we're not going to get to talk about again for a couple of years. Uh, today, we have James Morrison, a.k.a. Bill Buchanan from seasons four, seasons five, season six, and season seven, which uh, you're going to hear me say on this interview is crazy how few characters actually do appear in that many seasons, uh, let alone even two seasons. Uh, let me just say my name is Colin and it is not Ben. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> my name is Ben and I didn't think we were doing my name is, but that's awkward. Um, <laughs> I like James Morrison. He's a nice guy. And I like Jack Smiggins. Uh, <laughs> James Smiggins. <laughs> James Smiggins. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's been a little while since we had uh, an interview on here from a 24 actor. And I mean, what better person can we get than somebody who is one of the mainstays on the show and uh, had been on the show for really half of its run uh, by the yeah. time he actually exited. Uh, and I thought it was a great chat. You know, we, we get some... Uh, Kiefer, we always get a good Kiefer Sutherland story. We get uh, some good behind-the-scenes stories about, uh, I, I guess we could say, the, the lack of prep that uh, actors get on 24, which really just makes us appreciate them more, right? Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, it is it is interesting that you raise a couple of times about how this is the first kind of multi-season uh, actor we've had. And we sort of raised in this interview about how he's actually got a very high episode count sort of behind mm-hmm. some very uh, big names on this show. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's a great chat. As you kind of mentioned, it's obviously a few years or well, seasons, I guess, or well, technically years, until we end up talking about his character a little bit more. But um, it's still, yeah, I mean, any 24 fan will know who James Morrison is. They'll know the character of Bill Buchanan, easily one of the most uh, prominent, well-known characters in the history of this show. And, um, yeah, I, I think we should probably also give a bit of a warning, though, that if people are kind of listening to this, that there may be a few spoilerific things in this. So we do mention oh, yeah. <laughs> a particularly big spoiler. Well, I mentioned it's my fault uh, from season one. Uh, so uh, but, yeah, there are some of the spoilers in relation to James's character. So always a, a mm-hmm. spoiler note for those who are maybe watching along with us that maybe don't listen to this until after like season seven. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm going to assume if they're listening that they've seen at least one of James' seasons. But uh, as Ben said, if you've never seen season one, we will give some stuff away from season one as well. Uh, But uh, great interview here. So sit back, enjoy James Morrison, Bill Buchanan from 24. Well, we're always thrilled to have an actor from 24 on here to talk about 24 as we're in the 20th anniversary of this show. Uh, but until we did this, I, I wasn't even aware of how many people we talked to 
who are dead or written off within a single season. So we're especially thrilled to talk to somebody who came onto the show as a guest star in season four, didn't leave for four or five years, and in the long run uh, is one of the most frequently appearing characters in the history of the show. We have Bill Buchanan himself, CTU bureaucrat, James Morrison. James, thanks so much for joining us here on Oz Network. My pleasure. Thanks very much. 24, I mean, the, the show's been, you know, 20 years now. You came in when it was established, well into season four. Uh, do you remember getting this show? Was it a show that you were familiar with when you landed the role? Were you a fan of it? You know, I do remember getting it. I'll never forget it. It was a big day. Uh, well, it was actually a prolonged day. But I, Oh, yeah, no, I'll never forget it. The longest day of your life is what you're saying? It, it lasted a few weeks. Yeah, actually, we, I'll, I'll tell you that story if, you, if you'd like. It was a, Go for it's it. It's kind of a cool story, a casting story. But no, and I know I wasn't a fan. I mean, I had no idea. I watched uh, an episode, the episode where um, Jack murders, uh, I'm sorry, I've forgotten his name, by the train. Ah, Chappelle. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, Chappelle. I watched that the night before I went in to familiarize myself with the, you know, the feel of the show. And I, I decided in that moment that I had to have it. So it was my decision. <laughs> That's my story. <laughs> that, that bigger name of an actor that you can basically be like, well, no, maybe I want to do this, maybe not. Yeah. You, you were turning down offers left, right and center, right? I mean, I believe you got James Bond offer that week. But you're like, no, no, Mostly James Bond, no. Yeah. Mostly center. I was turning down all kinds of roles. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you know, you have to you have to decide. And, and yet they can see that when you walk in the room, how badly you want something. Mm -hmm. I, I think I think that's true. And also it, it affects your it affects your um, your level of commitment to the to the process that you have to go to get something. So do you think it helps with the show such as 24, which was obviously extremely popular at that time, you know, it was sort of really at its at its peak of popularity around then, that if you are not aware of it, as say some other actors might be, that you can kind of go into it with a different interpretation to, to bring something to the role of Bill Buchanan, rather if you were say a day one watcher and you were a big fan of this and, and maybe kind of going into it with a different interpretation? Yeah, I think there's something to that, sure. I mean, I didn't go in with any kind of preconceived uh the ideas of how I should behave and in, in, in the, in the, I mean, I don't even remember, of course that episode stands out because of Jack's action, you know, with Chappelle, but I didn't get a feel for until I got there of how you, well, and I think that was appropriate to the character too. I mean, he hadn't a lot of spend a lot of, Bill hasn't spent a lot of time in at CTU. He was from a division. So, mm -hmm. You know, it's funny, we, we talked to uh, Joaquim de la Meda, who was one of the villains in season three, and he, like you, hadn't seen the show, just sort of did some research. He sort of looked at what he saw and said, I'm guessing they want me to be a villain. You, you're going in, you're not even aware that you're actually playing a, a very common character type on 24 at this point, which Chappelle was kind of the predecessor to Buchanan. Uh, George Mason, Xander Berkeley had uh, done it in you know, the first two seasons as well. And you're also coming in, uh, I don't know whether, how much had been pitched to you before you uh, started filming, no. but essentially no. as, you know, the, from the audience's point of view, you are the competition for Tony Almeida. You know, you're there in the middle of Tony and Michelle's relationship, 
but did you have any idea of what this character was meant to be that you know the audiences are probably going to be expecting that you're going to be you know the, the douchey boss who comes in and and is is going to be have everybody turning against them and in another case you know be in the middle of a love triangle yeah no i the the, the words douchey boss never entered my mind i can, <laughs> I, can I can assure you of that I, you know and i had no idea of my past history with Michelle at the point when I came in. Um, I created a story for myself, you know, a, sort of a private thing that I could just have to, to fill the dead air in my head, you know? But I think they, they actually took it more personally than I did, uh, mm. Tony and, and Michelle, because, you know, they were just hired to be the bosses and here comes this other guy, you know? And I was just coming in to, to uh, save Jack. I mean, that's really all my, I just stuck to the story. You see what I mean? That that mm -hmm. wasn't taking over. wasn't my story. It was just helping mm -hmm. out to get Jack. And that, you know, I think that was the probably what saved it for me. Um, it was it was hard to enter a thing that at that point in the season it was so it was moving so fast. And I used the uh, the analogy of a speeding train. You know, just hopping on. It's, it, they don't bother to slow down for you. You just have to you know, time it just right and jump aboard, you know, that's what it felt like. Was it ever a case when you signed on that you were aware of how long the character would last? Because I know a lot of the actors we've talked to on this show often go into it not knowing they, they don't, maybe they sign on for four episodes and they keep getting extended. Obviously with yourself, you, you end up becoming a, a main cast member, uh, you know, after season four. So, I mean, was it a case that you knew you would be there for the rest of season four with the potential for season five or were you just a couple of episodes and they just kept extending you? Well, you know, they, you probably heard this before. They shot two episodes simultaneously. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, and, and, you know, sometimes in the morning we would shoot an, a, a scene from episode 14 and then if in the afternoon we'd shoot a scene from episode 15. So we were all over the place in terms of uh, continuity and, you know, we'd constantly asking, now where are we? What's happening? You know, learning it on the fly as you do in TV a lot. But... Um, No, I, I never had. I was never given any indication of how long it would last. I was hired for two episodes at a time, uh, like everybody else was. I think when they first came aboard, they sort of, you know, uh, I think they were looking for some kind of chemistry. They were looking for if there was a fit with me, you know, my my personality, uh, how I work, you know, in that environment because it was it was very specific. I mean, there was a an energy to that to that set. And um, you can see it, uh, you know, when Jack and Bill stand toe to toe, you know, you can see there was some chemistry there. Um, so I think they, you know, obviously they saw that. I felt it. I mean, I, I had good feelings about it. There were a couple of bumpy uh, <laughs> moments in the first few episodes, as I said, because you're just going, what's the gestalt of this place? I mean, how, you know. <laughs> It's a, it was a madhouse, um, uh, you know, not, not in terms of the work because it was, you know, I was surrounded by the, the, the top shelf professionals that I've ever worked with in my life on every level, but just in terms of the tension of the, of the environment of the show. I mean, it's a, it's a madhouse, man. I mean, you know, m moment by moment. And that was what, another thing that was cool about it. You, you literally, Live, are living the actor's dream of 
being forced to stay in the moment. Mm. And so when you're listening, I mean, you're, you're listening because you're not thinking about something that, you know, that happened 10 years ago. I mean, it's all either happening now, whatever you do right now is going to affect the next hour or, or that life on earth. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's that, it's that intense. So that, you know, that, that made it sort of actually a little easier than other stuff. If that makes sense. Would you mention about chemistry? I would guess that has to be even more important in television than it is in movies, you know, because in a movie, if a person has, you know, 10 minutes of screen time with another actor, if it's a large role, maybe an hour of screen time. I mean, there's things you can do with editing and everything like that. If you're in a TV show, you know, you have to be in scenes with people for course of a year, two years, three years, four years in your case. Uh, when you are brought in, were they looking for somebody who, they could screen test with, you know, Kiefer Sutherland or Rico Aylesworth, who you, you had more screen time with, or were you just sort of picked up on your own and then you had to meet them on set and sort of develop that chemistry as you went along? Yeah, my audition was, I think the scene was maybe a page and a half of dialogue. And that's, you know, I mean, depends on the show and who, who's running it and the casting directors and everything. But sometimes you'll get, you know, 13, 14, 15 pages of stuff. All they really needed to see was what they saw. I mean, I, you know, I, can't, I I never really sat down and talked to them. What, what what were you looking for when you saw me? I just left thinking when I got when I got the thing, and that's a whole other protracted process. I said, you know, we could talk about, it. but I just went. Well, they they were looking for me. That's that's all I could really give them. So they saw something in what I was that that they felt they could, you know, that, that it would be a good mix to, to work. Cause they, they had no idea where it was going to go. I don't think because they would just gone through a, a, an upheaval with, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I've forgotten her name who left the show. And it was, a, it was, a, I think a, kind of an unexpected thing. I don't think that's a, a secret. It just happened that, you know, the other, uh, head of CTU, the Canadian actress, I forget her name. Uh, Sarah, we're not talking Nina, Sarah Clark. I mean, she'd been gone from the few seasons. No, no, no. But, um, um, who, oh, she had the daughter, because I never worked yes, with her. She had, um, oh, yes, yes. Alberta. Uh, Alberta Green. Right. Yeah, Alberta yeah, Green, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was an unexpected departure, I think. Mm. And they had to sort of scramble to figure out what was going to happen next. Uh, I don't think all these years later I'm talking out of school. I think it was a, it was a, an abrupt change. Mm for whatever reason, I don't know. Uh, but, they, but they didn't know. So they had to sort of go, okay, now how's this guy gonna fit in? And is he gonna fit in? I'm sure if, if, they'd, see, if they'd seen that what I brought to the table didn't work after all, they would have figured a way for me to take a bullet somehow. Like they did <laughs> Chappelle. I mean, they were good at doing that, you know? So I, was, I, felt, I always felt really fortunate that uh, they, uh, they stuck with me as long as they did. Which, I mean, Colin brought it up before that sort of you know in the lead up to to when bill comes in it sort of had almost been like the you get these authority figure come in and they're always a bit slimy something something's going off with them they they often get a sort of a hero redemption i mean obviously with Chappelle sort of got a bit of a hero redemption mason back in season two so but we were used to as a viewer watching these head of ctu and 
it was the opposite with Bill. I mean, Bill went on to become one of the, you know, one of Jack's most reliable right-hand men of the entire show. I mean, we'll obviously talk about your death scene a little bit later on, but I think that was a, a refreshing thing because with 24, there were definitely moments where... You know, you expected something every season was going to happen. Oh, okay, there's going to be a mole. There's going to be this. There's going to be that. And I think mm-hmm. I remember watching when Bill came and thinking, oh, this guy's going to be a dick at some point. But it was it was kind of, it was nice to kind of have that. And I, I guess kind of as you're developing that character, when you do get made part of the, the cast and everything, that you keep that relationship going with Jack. I mean, w- working with Kiefer, you know, is, is there ways that you go about continuing on that chemistry that you were talking about with him as you go on and as this relationship between Jack and Bill continues or is that just a a natural part of the process the longer you're on you kind of keep playing this character and relying on that Bill and Jack would have this type of relationship you know we we never really discussed it we we didn't have any kind of relationship outside the work or I mean I I, you know I barely we had a tremendous amount of respect for each other um around the work and and um I always felt that, and he and I know he always felt that. I made sure he felt that, uh, because I knew right away when I came aboard that I was there to serve. First of all, you know the story, but second of all, you know it's his story. So I'm, you know, obviously there to serve him too. So I made, I made the decision that that was what I was uh, there for. But at the same time, the situation sometimes called for there to be that adult in the room. You know, and Bill ended up being that um, by design um, a lot of the times. And I think we sort of fell into that, that uh, uh, we, we just fell into that rhythm. And I think that the, the writers upstairs and the producers saw it too, uh, you know, that there needed to be that sort of uh, uh, kind of an egoless uh uh, a person at the helm who, who could, you know, admit when he was wrong and, and, but also call somebody out when they were wrong. I mean, um, f- f- a real human being in, in, in that situation, instead of, uh, you know, like you say, instead of the, the villain or the, you know, so I thought it was uh, like you, I, I kept saying, man, this is really unique. I mean, I'm glad that they decided to do that and that I could, that I could fill that role. Sure. Do you ever get a heads up before a season starts on what the changes are? Because with most TV shows, what you get when a character is introduced is what you're going to get by the final season. With 24, I mean, one character could be the hero one season and then the villain the next. You know, Tony, a good example yeah. of that, right? So well, when you're and, going and, from uh, season to season, are, are you and, and expecting President that? Palmer, um, yeah, President Palmer. Uh, President Logan. Uh, Logan, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, no, I mean, I and I, I didn't want to know uh, like I said before about being in the moment, I'm not sure I, 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 I didn't want to know what was going to happen so that it would, uh, I wanted to be surprised by it as I would be in the moment. Um, there was one point that I remember just uh, passing Howard Gordon in the, in the hallway once. I mean, and I, Hey Howard, hi, hi James. Oh, uh, and he stopped me and said, listen, we're going to send you home. But don't worry, don't worry about it. Just, we're just going to say, and, and so that was nice, <laughs> that you know, because you get the script and you go, oh shit, they're sending me home. <laughs> well, I'm okay, adios, you know. But, I guess but I'm going through the one ads tomorrow. <laughs> I, I guess. I, 
how to work again, you know. Uh, but but that was nice of him to do that because that's right where you would have gone, you know, and he knew that. So that was that was nice of him to do that. Which I can um, imagine as part of that, though, that even when you are a main cast member, I mean, 24 was renowned for being one of those shows where you never know if a main character is going to, you know, live past episode. I mean, season five, episode one is a classic example of that. You kill two of your main cast off immediately, you know, two and a half. Tony's sort of dead at the beginning, but he comes back. But, uh, I mean, even when you're made a main cast member, you've probably got that thing in the back of your mind going, well, they might do something with me as they kind of ultimately did in season seven when you are a main cast member <laughs> yeah and you know when you're when you're a freelancer when you're a freelance actor um and, and just the way i was trained uh you know I, i'm there in service of the story so if the story calls for me to to be a villain I, I, there's no room for me to judge that in mm. other words there's no there's that, that has nothing to do with my job if i'm only thinking bill thoughts you know that's not a that's not a bill thought my you know it's it's uh and it makes my job a little easier then i don't have to you know evaluate you know my work or somebody else somebody else's work or you know why do they treat me this way or who i'm playing an asshole how do i it just doesn't matter none of that matters because it's not in the story you see season seven uh is interesting because famously there was the writer strike that year and yeah. with 24 most tv shows just said we're going to air what we have we'll pick it all up later but 24 because it's written as a whole season filmed as a whole season they were still determined at least at that point in season seven we're gonna do 24 straight episodes i don't know how many you guys had filmed but i mean a trailer had come out for this so people mm -hmm. knew what was coming with that season and then all of a sudden the show was put on hold for an entire year i mean what was it like for you you've filmed, I don't know how many episodes at that point, you know, half a dozen. And then you're told, you yeah. know what, we'll see you guys in a year. You're just waiting. Like, can you, do you worry? Am I going to be available when they call back? Am I going to know what's happened oh, to no. my character? Nothing. No, the, we were, we were, uh, I don't remember how many episodes we filmed. All I remember about that is that I think we, our show and one other show were the only shows that, that they, they paid us during the, oh, during wow. the strike to to keep us under contract to keep us together i mean because they couldn't afford to lose us because it's re it was real time yeah so we were compensated while we were on while everyone was on strike they made a special um arrangement with the union and with uh, uh, uh the writers guild and and it was all um above board and you know but but so we had that going for us and that was that was pretty nice so, but the hardest part was, I remember uh, when I when Bill was killed. I think I knew that I was gone for I don't know how many months before it aired because it's something I, I don't know. What, it, it took a long. I had to keep this secret whenever anybody would say, "So how's it going? How's it going to work?" Hell, man, I'm, it's so great to, but I, you know, I wasn't there anymore. So I had to pretend like I was still working. Uh, I remember that being strange. Um, but I was just great. Listen, as I look back on it now, and it seems like it was so long ago, but then again, time is relative. So, I mean, every day I just woke up and just went, man, how are, how are they 
because because you know you hear the stories they're gonna they're gonna find me out so i'm waiting for the guy to tap on my shoulder and go what are you doing here man <laughs> but but that never happened we do that every day on this show <laughs> james like, why are we speaking to james Morris? What's the, you shouldn't be talking to us we should be just talking to each other still. What the, yeah what the hell what, what were we thinking to invite yeah but that never happened so i just woke up every day grateful that i had a you know such a great place to go to work and it really was a great place to work you talk about sort of that that freelance sort of style of, of acting. I mean, 24, you know, to this day is still your longest running gig on, on, on television. When you got that, uh, I guess, promotion from guest star to main cast member, do you, do you remember what that felt like? And was this sort of the first time you oh, had been yeah. elevated to main cast member rather than just recurring star? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd been a series regular but once before in a, in a series that lasted a year. In fact, we did the pilot in Australia in uh, ah, Surfer's nice. Paradise. Ah, uh, can't go much worse beyond. than filming it there. Pretty pretty hard time I can imagine you had in <laughs> was, Paradise. Yeah, it was tough. I think I worked ten days out of thirty. I, that was a, that was a tough. <laughs> was a very tough very month. typical Gold Coast reaction there. Like, oh, I'll, I'll work four days from now. I'll, I'll have a few more days. Yeah, off. <laughs> it was a bummer. Um, no, I loved it there. I did do some traveling there too. I love Australia. Correct answer. That's why you're a guest on this show today, James. Yeah, well, you, well, you know, I know, I know how to say all the right things. The, the weird critters and stuff. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of those things, but I'm sure they're worse for you too. Build character, um, you know. It's all, it's all part of the deal. Um, I forgot the question. Sorry. It was oh, basically been elevated yeah. to yeah, main cast member. Yeah. What was that like? It, it actually happened at the end, at the, at the rap party for the, for the uh, fourth season. And it was oh, at John Cassar's house, and I and uh, Joel Cernow. I just went over, you know, during the party, and just to to give him a hug and say thank you. I had, you know, because no, no commitment had been made, and uh, and I just wanted to thank him for, because he promised me that it would be a great fun part, and and it was and he was right. Uh, you know, when he first hired me, he just came into the makeup trailer and said, "Yeah, you're gonna like this." And uh, he was right. So I just thanked him and gave him a hug. And he said, oh, you know what? By the way, we're going to make you a, a series regular and and hire you for 22 out of 24. Wow. And I just, you know, I just went, I was so blown away. I mean, I had no expectations. Um, and, I'm, and I'm happy I didn't because I was able to just, you know, my beginner's mind was was working, you know. And I went back to my wife who was sitting near the pool and I, and she, I sat down and I, and she said, what's, what's the matter? Cause I, you know, you can read me like a book. So she knows me pretty well. And I turned to her and <laughs> I sort of started to get misty a little bit cause I was so moved by it. And I said, Joel, just, you know, and I'm kind of quite know what to say. And John Cassar's wife walked up, uh, Christina. And said, "Oh, James, so how are you?" And I turned to her just at that moment, and you know, tears were starting to. And she looked at me like something had just happened. And I said, "No, it's just it's such a beautiful party." <laughs> <laughs> so I'll never forget that. Wow, it was nice. And you talked about uh, you know having the chemistry with Kiefer Sutherland and everything, and uh, eventually what they would do is they would write uh, your character and Jane Atkinson's character together as a couple. Uh, yeah. 
did you guys have a lot of time together to build that chemistry or was that something where like you show up and you read the script and you're like so we're married now because it really did sort of come i mean there have been seeds planted but then you, all of a sudden you show up and i think it was beginning of season six they're just suddenly married uh, I think somebody had let us know that before. Uh, somebody made a call and said, okay, is he, well, or we read it in the first script. I mean, I think um, that's probably more like it. We got it, you know. But but Jane and I knew each other prior to her working on the show. We had worked together before. We did a radio production of the, of the, the Rainmaker, and she had done it on Broadway. And it was her, the, the, the whole cast and... Uh, Woody Harrelson played Starbuck, so he couldn't do the thing. So they they brought me in to do his part, and that's that's where we met. So I was doing it with they'd all done the Broadway run, and I was brand new to the thing, and she was very helpful. So we knew each other. Does that help in those situations when you are sort of uh, having that sort of relate where your characters are having that sort of relationship to 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 know each other when you come into a situation like that? Well, you know, I was I was gonna I was gonna mention that when I when I when we brought up chemistry and stuff, and I, I have a I have a theory about chemistry. I I think it's uh, I think it's a it's something that's in our control as actors. I think there's a decision made on either one or both people. If there's no, if you look at something and go, there's no chemistry between those people, it's because either one of them or both of them together have decided individually uh, uh, apart from each other that they don't want to commit to this um, re relationship. And so when you see, uh, for instance, uh, Kiefer and I working together and you see chemistry there, it's because we both committed to this. We committed to the fact that we have this, we're going to have this relationship and we're going to, and, and it's now, if you see, and I've done this before, and I, I'm not going to name names or anything, but you, you have a relationship with a, say you have a love relationship with a, a woman. There's, and there's just, it's almost like the, you can't find the, that, distance the focal point between eyes or you there's something wrong i think it's because one of one or the other of us has not committed to this relationship hmm. and so therefore the camera sees it Interesting. and the audience picks up on it if both people are committed i mean and we've seen this time and time again where you hear oh my god they hated each other like you would never know it because they were in love on screen well yeah. it's because they committed to the to the make-believe love you know mm. they had chemistry regardless of how they felt about each other everyone loves those stories don't they like those famous like uh you know we're, we're, we yeah. do a james bond podcast and we you know on a majesty's secret service basically it's famous that uh Lazenby and Diane Rigg didn't really like each other, but I mean, you could never, you could never believe it when you're watching something like that. So it's um, because it's, they were both pros. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you and Kiefer were like fist fighting off set, and oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> poisoning each other's lunch. You know what though? I let him beat me up every time because. Well, wouldn't you? I wouldn't anyone. I mean, come on. That's like. what I was there for. I was, I was there to serve the those famous Kevin Sutherland he was just an absolute prick all the time he's beating everyone up <laughs> <laughs> give me more lines damn it and again damn it was just a natural they just picked that one Kevin Sutherland that was never written and, that was just Kevin. and yet and yet between action and cut you never see any of that that's exactly that's, nice guy that's some pro yeah. stuff right there yeah <laughs> no he's he was uh, he was lovely to work with I really admire him which 
Well, well, we're on the topic. We're going to ask this question anyway. I'm going to ask this now. It's kind of a slight tangent. Everyone we've had on the show, James, we've sort of uh, asked for a, a Kiefer story. You know, we, we've always, you know, had a bit of fun. You know, some of them have been, well, let's be honest, most of them have been around having a, a quiet drink or two after filming. I mean, do you have one specific Kiefer story that from a rap party or an afterwards or anything like that? I mean, he, he lent one of our guests a... Our guest friend, a Porsche. Porsche, essentially, to impress her. So, I mean, you know, I don't know if he ever <laughs> lent you his Porsche or something along those lines. Well, you know, I do I do remember a conversation I had with him about horses once. but Because I said, listen, if I ever decide to buy a horse, I'm going to come to you. And he said, yeah, man, I'll help you. Yeah. We, and so, but, you know, I don't remember. It's so weird because I... I you know, so many of the people, I, I mean, I've, I've got a relationship with Mary Lynn to this day. Uh, Carlos, whenever we see each other, it's just, but, you know, Kiefer and I never really had much of a relationship off off camera or off set. So I do remember one time he his gun fell out of his holster in rehearsal and he was wearing um, his, uh, I think he was wearing some kind of sandal or something, <laughs> bare feet. <laughs> and it landed on his toe and it was a re- I mean it was a real real gun and and man and I th- and I was it was right when I first got there and I thought man how is he not on the floor <laughs> but but he was he was you know he was he was in his Jack Bauer yeah mode Jack Bauer doesn't feel pain <laughs> well but then later on <laughs> he was walking in and I and he walked up to me and I looked down. And I said, "Oh my God!" And his toe was like three times its size, and, and it really, it really messed it up. He said, "I told you, I told you it was bad." I said, "You know, I don't remember you saying that. I, I, I think you thought that." <laughs> you know, you Next may have thought it boots. so. You may have thought it so hard that you thought the whole world heard you, but no, you, didn't, you know, you really didn't. You didn't let on, man. <laughs> Uh, no, you he, mentioned- was a, he, he was a badass on the show. That's for sure. Well, let's talk about your big moment. I mean, you mentioned it earlier, you know, Bill's death scene. And we kind of mentioned that you come in as the audience is expecting you to be the next Mason, Mason, the next Chappelle, the character that you learn to love when they die and you end up being the opposite. You're the character that they learn to love and then they stick with them for a couple of years and then they still give you that heroic death. I mean, that's sort of a 24 staple for sometimes they use that hero's death for the characters that you don't love. Like I remember Sean Astin being one of these actors where yeah. you're not really supposed to love him on the show, but then he dies and you're like, Oh, I kind of love him now, but you yeah, get to be, one. you get to be the one that like the audience always loved this character. And then you, so it's almost more of a sad death as opposed to, all right, now this guy's my hero. Uh, had you ever had the opportunity to die on screen before? Was it sort of a big one for you? Uh, let's see. I, I think I've died a few times. Yeah. Um, I know of one I'm going to ask you about later, but you may not even remember it. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, this was by far the, the best one because, um, because of what it meant to me, you know, certainly, but also because when Howard called me, um, he was, you know, appropriately a, a apologetic and he, and he hated to, 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 and he said, I hate, this is, I hate to make this phone call, but, but you know it's coming, so you know you do you go, okay. Let, let's let's uh, let's not you know we'll we'll get mushy later. But here's the here let's do the work. So I, I said I you know I get it. I'm I'm thank you, but I just have one favor. And he said of course, and I said I just want it to be 
you know, I want it to be a good one, of course. He said, oh, yeah, it'll be a good one. And I said, but can it have something to do with the uh, the issue of torture? Can it be some somehow connected to that? And they 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 wove that in so subtly. Um, and I really appreciate that because they know that was a decision that was unique to him, mm. to, to Bill. Um, he he uh, and he made it clear to Jack, you know, no, this is no. Not going to do it, you know, and, but it came back to bite him because if I had done that as Bill. With the guy that, you know, ended up letting them in. It wouldn't have happened, mm. you know. So uh, I had to atone for that. I think there needed to be some kind of atonement. And they, and they weaved that in there pretty nicely, I think. Just before I talk a little bit more about the death scene itself, I mean, mentioning about how can it be related to something to do with torture? Was that just uh, around, I mean, obviously 24 for a large portion there faced a lot of criticism for its depiction of torture. Was that something of a case of you wanted this to be done differently or is it just you believe this is how the character, um, you know, kind of should go out? There should be a torturous sort of moment for, for Bill, essentially. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I thought I thought that that uh, that was true to the character. I mean, I thought it was it wasn't a stretch for that for that guy to to be uh, so adamantly opposed to that kind of mm. without being a you know without being a because there were plenty of times where I said, "Okay, Jack, do what you got to do," mm-hmm. but when he asked me to do it, I can't. And I said it, you know, I I can't do that. Sort of that, you, that. you can do that. You do that. Yeah. <laughs> and I and that those were my last words to him. You're the only one who can do this. You know. Which right? it's the the scene itself. I mean, yeah, as Colin was saying, like the heroic death. But I mean, it was very you know twenty four style in that you weren't expecting it. I mean, you, you, we talk constantly about you know the death of Mason, the death of Chappelle. Like, it, this, I mean, the death of Chappelle is arguably one of the the most intense and powerful scenes in in the history of twenty four and, and in television of the decade. I mean, you, you, you're not expecting it. You're always expecting, of course, this to not happen, and then it happens. But even with Buchanan's death, it's sort of it's so quick. You just kind of you say this line, and then you you jump and you shoot, and then boom, you're blown up. Yeah. That's it, done. Um, I mean, it's <clears> obviously the, the honor in itself is to always get the silent clock in 24. You know, your character meant something when you get a silent clock. Yeah. But you got the double dose of honour because you had Jack Bauer crying over you at the same time. I mean, yeah. the amount of times you've got a silent clock, sure, but I could count on one hand Jack Bauer crying over the death of a character. So, I mean, f- f- for your character itself, that must be a double honour. You get silent clock and Jack Bauer has a bit of a cry over you. I know. He didn't even cry when the gun dropped on his foot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but when Bill dies, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, they did. They did right. Then the other thing is, we didn't have a chance really to talk about that moment. But you're right. I mean, I just, I just decided not to make a meal out of that saying goodbye. Mm. That wasn't what it was about. It was, and plus, I, I would. I. I thought. You know. If I. If I say too much here, I'll run the risk of them seeing me talking, and it'll. It'll put the kibosh on my. Uh, mm. My plan. So I had to just do it real quick. I mean, I just decided if I. If I wait. If I. If I prolong this, I'm, I might change my mind. You know, because it's a suicide. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I just. Uh, you know. I just. You know. We didn't talk about it. I mean. Uh, we just sort of intuitively knew 
and and again, this is this is uh, this is to to Kiefer's credit too. Uh, he played that perfectly. I mean, he he didn't, uh, you know. Just to quickly on that, yeah. I mean, we we talked yeah. to to Leslie Hope, obviously, you know, her her famous death scene with uh, Terry, the character of Terry, at the end of the the first season, and we sort of talked what that was like, sort of, you know, in that moment, pretending dead, Kiefer playing that. I mean, obviously, we see your body, which I, I still question how you literally got blown up and yet you just got a bit of a burn on your face. But hey, it's it's network <laughs> television; it's it's not HBO. Uh, I mean, Inter- what's internal that? injuries? Yeah, internal injuries, exactly. <laughs> I mean, as an actor, playing dead, I'm sure it has its challenges, but then when you've got almost that intense scene when you've got someone like Kiefer kind of breaking down, I mean, I, I can't keep a straight face at the best of time. I and mean, it's not a funny scene, but, I mean, in terms of, like, the emotions and the rawness, anytime you've got a big emotional scene like that on set, I can imagine there's a certain vibe about it. But when you're playing dead and you've got Kiefer Sutherland there kind of breaking down, what's that moment like? Like, lay still, don't don't take you have to block just, it out you put holy crap Peter Sutherland's dropped a gun on his foot again <laughs> well you know I was dead so I didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> best actor answer ever that's 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 how you should answer right <laughs> all I you know I do remember this uh, I was laying on the, I had to lay there for a long time as you can imagine and and it's you know underneath my uh, I was laying in some debris and we tried to clean it up but it was still like a cement you know so I was getting like you know and uh at one point, the camera operator uh, said, "I had they, they'd they'd put a makeup. I put a powder puff, a piece of powder puff between my cheek, and and some. And the camera operator said, can we move the powder puff?' And I said, Wh- "What? Who are you?' Because <laughs> I thought he was talking about me. <laughs> so that's really all I remember. When we get to your season, that's what we're going to call your character. Now we're just going to call. Oh, here he is. He's powder puff." <laughs> On what did now. you call me? I think I said, <laughs> what did you call me? <laughs> I, you know, I know that you, you, you know, you have, to, you have to keep this stuff. You have to be lighter when, when things like are, are really. And I remember years ago, I did a new play at the La Jolla Playhouse about a serial killer. I played a serial killer. And the play was being written as we rehearsed it. And, and we would get a new scene like every four days. And... Um, the director, Des McEnough, was so smart. He he made us uh, have a contest to name these scenes, and they were really horrific. It was a horrific play. My character killed nineteen women, and I described all the death. I mean, it was it was meant to to be very disturbing to the audience. But he kept it light because if we go, if when you the darker you go, the the lighter you have to stay in order to survive it. Otherwise. And uh, you, you, you know, you end up getting a spirit, a deep spirit sickness, and, and you can't fall into that. You know, you have to protect yourself from that. You know, after 24 ends, I mean, you obviously went on to do, you know, a couple more big series. I was actually a big fan of Hawthorne. I thought that was a great show. Uh, and Twin Peaks a well, couple years me, ago. R- remind me uh, to tell you something about that. When, uh, oh, you, you go right ahead. Tell us now. I'll continue after you tell me the story. Can you remember? Can you remember what you're going to say? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, uh, you, you know, earlier you asked uh, about do, do they tell you anything about what's going to happen or, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, Jada was one of the only people I've ever worked with who really took time to do that with me. Oh, uh, really? And she would, yeah, she would come to me and say, so here's what we're thinking uh, with, uh, oh God, I can't remember my character's name. Anyway, so this is what's going to happen down the road, a couple episodes from now. Just And I just, I was shaking my head one time. She said, what, what's, what, what do you? What? I said, I can't believe you're 
you're taking the time to even tell me this. What do you mean? Well, they don't, nobody, nobody tells actors what's going to happen. They just <laughs> hand them the script and you've got, you've got however many minutes you have to, to figure it out. And unless you're, you know, in on the story meetings, like the number one or the number two would be, or mm-hmm. whoever, you know, like I read this thing, Bradley uh, Cooper had worked on a star is born for four years. So he's got a lot of prep time. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of those guys have a lot of time to work with TV. It's just so fast and nobody cares to tell you. Mm-hmm. And she said, I was blown away. I said, I, you know, I appreciate you doing this. And she said, well, I just, I can't imagine doing it any other way. I mean, you got to know. Yeah. And that's such a, it's a rare thing. I mean, it just doesn't happen. Should yeah, happen you know, more. It, I think that's been one of the most surprising things. Uh, you would assume with a lot of TV shows, like just regular episodic TV, that's going to be the norm. But when you get into these serialized shows, I don't know why I expect it to be different. And the more 24 actors we're talking to, I keep waiting for someone to be like, yeah, I had the heads up, but it were, I think we just finished rewatching season one. So we're covering all those episodes. And now we're starting to pinpoint. We're like, I think I can see that this actor didn't know this was coming. You know, it's gotta be really difficult doing a show, especially 24, like twin peaks. Another one you did, you know, where I'm, even if they do tell you what's going to happen in Twin Peaks, you're going to understand, you know, but no. I really have more and more respect for television actors than I ever did knowing that you're like, you're, this is almost like improv. It's improv by having the words in front of you. Yeah, it really is. And, and uh, I mean, you have to be, and, and, and also it's almost to a, to a detrimental uh, degree uh, you have to be able to, you know, instantly, it is, it is like improv and, and you have, you, there's no room for gee, you know, but what if, you know, but I don't know, you know, I mean, there's no, there's no room to quibble. It's just, yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's well, for instance, when I read for an episode, I was just talking about this cold case. I don't know if you remember cold mm, case. Yes. Yep. Well, I, when I did an episode of that, and I, and I was lucky enough to play both parts, the older version and the younger version. Wow. So that was kind of fun to do. But I, I read for a completely different guy, and I went in there pre, you know, prepared to read, and I, I read the thing. And the, the executive producer, after I finished, he said, you know, yeah, you're not right for this. Um, take a look at this. And he gave me a couple of pages. Can, can you go downstairs and, and spend 10 minutes with it and come back? And I said, yeah. So I went down there and looked and like they called me. I went up. I didn't have, I mean, I had no time. Um, I, I, they probably didn't even give me a script. So I didn't, I had figured out who this other guy was, but this, I mean, I had no idea. And I just committed to that, hmm. which is what you have to do, you know, right or wrong. And and then they go, well, you know, he's, he, he was accurate to a degree, but he, but all we need to do is give him the deal and he can, he can pull this off, you know? So it's yeah. oh, oh, go ahead, Ben. No, Colin, please, I insist you you <laughs> go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say, you know, with the shows you've done, uh, you know, since twenty four, like Revenge and Twin Peaks and Hawthorne and all that. Um, obviously, those are more recent than what you've done on twenty four. But do you find that twenty four and Buchanan is what most people still kind of recognize you for this day? And, and is there any one moment, or would it be the death scene that most people will ask you about or associate with Bill? Um, you know, I remember one, I remember one time, uh, 
and I forget whose son it was. I, I wish I could remember whose son it was because we had two. We had uh, Peter McNichols and, uh, and and Greg Itson both brought their sons uh, to the set. Or I didn't meet Peter's son, but anyway, uh, I, oh no, it was Peter. It was Peter's son, but I never met him. So Peter came into the set one day and he said, "I was talking to my boy. I said, you know, I'm getting to know James a little bit. Really appreciate him." And, and, uh, and 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 he said, and my son said, oh, oh, yeah, Buchanan. Yeah, Buchanan. Yeah, he's the compassionate one. Hmm. And I thought that was that's like, and I I was really moved by that. I said, please tell him how much that means to me, because there wasn't a lot of compassion in that show. You know, J- you know, Jack, every once in a while would have compassion for the people he loved. You know, his family and his, his daughter and his wife and. But but that wasn't a theme of the show. I mean, the, the but but for that was a you know I think subconsciously a goal of mine uh, in working on the show. I wanted to be a boss that people would die for, and because we're life and we're at life and death at any moment, and uh, so I think I decided that that was the kind of boss I was going to be. Uh, but it wasn't it wasn't anything to do with the writing. That was just what I went in with. I just said I'm gonna I'm gonna unify this place with this kind of let's you know i don't know it was being run by you know morons you needed to unify ctu come on we've been putting it up with it for three and a bit years you know insubordination all this kind of stuff the vision was called every single third episode i mean gosh what was tony, I tony's breaking tony breaks every rule in the book they needed some authority in there you know, moles left, thinking? right, center. Uh, I'm not <laughs> saying it worked. I'm just saying that was my goal. Okay. Well, since you were in charge, here, let's be honest, CTU has been run brilliantly over the last, you know, uh, <laughs> but fifteen or so years. It is an interesting. <laughs> it is an interesting point though, because there's very few characters like, uh, you know, David Palmer. Uh, you know, he's sort of leaving as you're coming in. He was sort of that uh, compassionate one on the show, and we're sort of going through season one right now. And after we finished watching, we're like, you know, there's a lot of shady things about Palmer that we never quite noticed before, but <laughs> it's harder to find that with Bill. I mean, Bill kind of was the moral compass for CTU. There, what you saw was what you got. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, I mean, you know, Howard called him the, the only adult in the room at times. That's, that's kind of true. <laughs> I'd like somebody to call um, our show that there was an adult in the room. But uh, maybe, maybe one day. The the thing that I with with character of Bill and your sort of time on the show, it's it's actually really interesting to look that you have the sixth most appearances in the entire show's run, and like you're behind some esteemed company too. Obviously, Keith holds a record, Mary Lynn, of course, there. But then Carlos Bernard, Dennis Haysbert, Alicia Cuthbert, and then you. So I mean, you're behind some very big names there. There's a right up there with the the biggest names of the show. And and the one too that I believe you're the first actor we've had on the show that has been on season five. I mean, you know, Colin's talking about season one. We've spoken to a couple of season one actors, but if you talk about 24 and its peak, you know, you talk season one, you talk season five, which obviously went on to win numerous awards. I mean, fans often regard that as the best season. It has so many things going on with it. I mean, with all the time on the show to be involved in, in season five, what was the mood like on the set then? Obviously you'd been part of it for season four, but was it just things were working, things were ticking? Cause it's, it's rare for a show to be around for that long. And then all of a sudden kind of find its absolute peak that late into a, a show's run. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it really was. I mean, I felt, I felt, uh, and, and the, the coolest thing just from my personal perspective was that I felt 
uh, I didn't feel like a newcomer. I felt like a, like they made me really feel welcome. And, and uh, it, they also uh, made it clear without saying anything really uh, that it was okay for me to sort of, you know, every once in a while uh, tweak the dialogue, you know, cause Kiefer did it quite a bit. Uh, we we would do it with Kiefer quite a bit, but but because I had so much exposition, I was able to say, you know, and and you know to make that stuff sound like a human being is saying it is 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 challenging. So I would say, well, you know, what if I sort of said this instead of this? Okay, listen, all you need to say is make sure you say Centox gas and Jack <laughs> is going to do that, you know. <laughs> and so I would go, okay, okay, here's what I'm going to do, and then I would say it, and they would go, great. Um, I, I think it was, you know, it was it, the, the combination of the crew too. I mean, the it, it's it's such a big part of that experience. Was we were a, a machine, you know. I mean, it wasn't just the actors. It was uh, the Steadicam operator uh, was a, a character in the scene with us, and when we would move, we would literally sometimes step over him during the, the walk and talk and wow. he would come around and if you saw his eye open he would be like this he'd be like this you know <laughs> and if his other eye opened like that and looked at you you knew that you were in the wrong place or something so you had to be aware of him at the same time you're talking to jack and sort of it's peripherally like baseball signals from camera yeah. operators <laughs> yeah but you can't be looking at him you have to sense it i mean it, it was a it was a and i think that's uh, what was rewarded in the season was yes, the writing and and yes, the acting was, uh, you know, fantastic and the the chemistry that we were talking about was too, but the crew and 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 everybody, uh, uh, all the the at the extra the extras at CTU. I mean, everybody was. Uh, it was an amazing thing. I've never experienced anything like it in forty five years as an actor. Uh, I'm going to go way back before 24 here because I want to ask you about this before I forget. Uh, it was a couple of weeks ago. I discovered a show that was one of my favorite shows growing up. Uh, I was obsessed with this show and I just found that it's streaming online. Now, you 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 were in one episode of it and I'm going to bet this might be the first time you've ever been asked in an interview about a little show called Beyond Belief Factor Fiction, if oh, you yeah. even remember being it. Uh, for people who don't know, it was, it was a very cool premise for a show where it's kind of an anthology series like The Twilight Zone, but there'd be four or five stories every single week, little short segments, and some of them were real and some of them were completely fabricated by the writers. Uh, now, you were in a story where you were a, a photographer who people would die after you took their picture. <laughs> it was this completely insane well, story. No, pay, a pay Painter. Painting. That's right. Yeah. Painter. Yeah. 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 Oh, get a rod. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I just watched Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a very uh, important funny. guest on the show. Do your research. I, Jeez. And I just, I just watched this about two weeks ago, your episode. And then it was like a few days after that where Ben said, Oh, I think we got James Morrison lined up. I'm, Great. I was just watching some of his early work, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you talk about whether or not an actor knows anything going in. I, I really have to wonder with Beyond Belief Factor Fiction, I mean, were you clued into whether your story was a true story or a fictional story? Because that was the whole gimmick of the show is, hey, audience, you have to guess which ones of these. And sometimes the craziest story would turn out to be completely real. Yeah. I, you know, I don't remember that part of it. 
but but I do remember um, what what year was that? Do you remember? Was it after? It would have been late '90s, early 2000s, like uh, okay, probably '99 so or 2000. After I did Space Above and Beyond, mm. because the reason the reason that I th- was thinking about that is because Tom Wright, a director who directed uh, most uh, many of the episodes of Space Above and Beyond, which was a sci-fi thing on Fox, the one we filmed in uh, Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Wright was a storyboard artist when he first started in the business and he did some work with Hitchcock and, but he also did the paintings for <laughs> night gallery. Remember night gallery? Mm-hmm. Rod Serling. It was a Rod Serling thing. And, and it started on a painting and then they would t- the, tell the story of that painting or something. So when I did that, I remember Tom and I kept thinking about that, you know, so I, I think it was true. It was true. That was the craziest thing. You watched that yeah. uh, segment and they reveal at the end that yeah. this was a true story. There was a painter who painted people and they died. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't, uh, I mean, that wasn't that part of, yeah, part of the thing was I painted myself mm-hmm. at the end. Yeah. Yeah, final my shots, of, you, that was a death scene, right? Early death scene. It was my, my suicide, <laughs> self-portrait suicide, yeah. <laughs> this show sounds more crazy than 24. I feel like I need oh, it's, to- Oh, uh, it's to, great. Check it out. It was crazy. It was crazy. I need, I need to find out, Jane, just a couple of things. Um, okay. You were born in Utah. You, ra- you were raised in Alaska, which I have to say, I, I spent about a week in Anchorage a few years ago and just absolutely loved it. But- you you literally ran away to join the circus and basically <laughs> became a, a a clown. I mean, how do you, what's it like running away to join the circus in Alaska? Uh, I mean, is that is that more common than other states? Or uh, well, <laughs> that was in the back of my mind when I left Alaska, but I didn't leave Alaska to do that. I ended up being more of a roundabout thing. I left uh, ended uh, ended up leaving from Salt Lake City, where I where I have family and and the theater community that I used to work with. But um, yeah, I don't know why, I don't know why. I I think uh, glutton for punishment. I think that's really all I can, because it was Are there photos of you in clown outfits that still- No, you know, I I managed to survive it without having my soul uh, (laughs) taken any, any more than it was already taken. I feel like there's one somewhere that just has never surfaced. And yeah, well, you know, there was a newspaper article uh, interview with me somewhere in Mississippi or Alabama or some someplace. So they might, I don't know where, somewhere in the archives, you know. <laughs> See, we, we also, as Ben mentioned, we do a James Bond podcast. You know, there's, there's a famous moment in uh, Roger Moore dressing up as a clown. And now I'm just getting visuals of Bill undercover early in his days dressed as a clown <laughs> this, oh this could fit there could be some type of uh fan film out there we could do the backstory of bill <laughs> you could yeah you know i can see that <laughs> well you have a you connection got... actually it's mentioned we've brought up james bond a couple of times you actually yeah. have a weird connection to james bond you you were on a, a radio play for for live yeah. die so i mean you technically are part of the james bond universe james directed by martin jarvis yeah uh, my dear friend martin Called me in to play the villain in a James Bond thing, yeah. Which that can never be a bad. That's that's kind of like you know you, I'm not going to turn that down, right? Do you, do you automatically oh. think, oh, I'm going to be in a movie? Oh wait, it's a radio play, but still, it's just as good. It's I'm radio, not saying that's yeah. bad. 
I remember screaming, just screaming for a long, long time, screaming, screaming. I tore my throat out because I was, I think I was fed into some kind of a wood chipper or something. <laughs> Standard. Yep. That, that's always fun. That's the way you want to go. Blowing up, saving the president in the White House or going in a wood chipper. I, I don't yeah. know what you would rather hey, do. Hey, I would have gone into a wood chipper for... for uh... <laughs> <laughs> Jack. Well, what also think yeah. too, which um, it's actually for Cherry, really Jones, funny. for Cherry Jones, I would I would go into a wood chipper. Who wouldn't? <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. Um, yeah. It's 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 funny when I remember when you joined Twenty Four, and then I realised what your name was as an actor. In Australia, we have a very famous James Morrison. Now, I know you're a musician and, and you're nodding right now. Do you often get mistaken for the very famous trumpet player in Australia called James Morrison? I did when I when I went through customs when I first got there. <laughs> oh, you know, we, we, we've, we've got a Jimmy. We've got a Jimmy. 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 Yeah, Jimmy Morrison. Yeah. <laughs> Where's your trumpet? Said, oh, Give us a tune. Yeah, really? Yeah, he's the trumpet player. Um. I can't do an Australian accent very very well, but I do I do remember when we first moved there. Uh, the guy who owned the apartment building said, uh, "Oh, my name's Tiny." I said, "Oh, hi, Tiny. No, no, Tiny." I said, yeah, yeah, "Tiny, yeah, no, 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 mate, Tiny, Tiny." Of course, he was saying Tony, and that's what um, you kept calling um, um, Carlos Bernard's character. Eventually, didn't you? you started calling him Tiny. <laughs> tiny. <laughs> yeah. There we go. I think I swear we've got like tiny Almeida with Tony Almeida, don't we, Colin? Now we've got tiny, tiny, <laughs> tiny Almeida, Almeida. Australian twenty four. They they need to recast that. <laughs> Crikey, Jack! Don't do it. Crikey, we need the Indian version. Yeah, we just need the Australian now to accompany the Indian version. <laughs> yeah, you know they've done the oh, Japanese oh, there, version. That's recently. right. There is one, right? There's yeah, one, there was an in, yeah. And they've done the Japanese one as recently in the last uh, 12 or so months is actually sort of the, the Japanese version. I've, I've tracked them both down, but it's hard to find subtitles for them. So, Oh, wait, no, didn't, didn't that actor who did the Indian version, lovely actor, didn't he pass? I don't, did he, did he pass? I know he was obviously a prominent character on the eighth season. That's kind of how we ended up getting the, the rights to do it, but I, I didn't know if he had passed or not. So, uh, do you remember his name? And Neil Kapoor? Yeah. Because of course he was uh, uh, Slumdog Millionaire kind of gave yeah, him a, Mission a big... Impossible yeah, as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Are you lo- well, are you looking not. that up as we speak? I, I am. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't say he's passed yet, but uh... okay. Then I'm I'm just starting a rumor, and I'm going to. Well, do... based on the track record <laughs> yeah. of some of our shows, James, he probably will be dead by the time we air this. So um, <laughs> yeah, yeah Ben know. has a tendency to cause that. We kind of killed uh... two of the James Bond actors. Uh, that's a whole. Yikes. Other, that's a whole okay. other story. With your music. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was, I was looking at some of your your work on your website. Uh, I mean, was this always something that you had had just kind of wanted to get into? Was it just a bit of a hobby that took off? I mean, kind of. Uh, was you, was you know, the what? I'm sorry. Your, music? your music, your your great sort of your, the music work that you do. Was this just a passion that you just kind of explored a lot more along the way? Well, no, I've just been doing it, you know, in my room, you know, since I was in high school, and. Um, when we were on 24, I, I was taking lessons, uh, guitar lessons from a wonderful teacher and guitar player, uh, Richard Peacock. And um, and I wanted to be able to play slide guitar to accompany my uh, my shavasana in, in the yoga classes that I was teaching. Wow. The, fi- the final resting pose, you know. And so one day he said, um, 
do you have you ever written any music and, and i said yeah i wrote some back when i was in my early 20s and he said well why don't you uh next time you come in why don't you lay lay a couple down for me and, and let me have a listen i'll play with you i'll play with you okay so i put a couple together and played him when i came in and he said matt you know these are good man you uh do you have any more and i said well yeah i mean i'm not really knowing if i did or not and then for the next like six months i just vomited all these this i had these songs in me that needed to come out and i got permission you know to to i think that's all we need sometime uh sometimes is as uh as to, to to recognize i don't even know if we have to be artists i think that's what that's what creates artists you know somebody mm -hmm. saying oh yeah i heard that song you sang uh sing sing another one or uh you you should keep writing or you know what you look you're pretty good on stage why don't you do another play i mean and then we go yeah man well you know i read uh i did a one person play about my son's uh brain cancer experience what how it changed my life basically my story and that that was the the premise and i read 15 minutes of it from my group of writer actors and and one of them said uh you know i could watch 90 minutes of that wow and, and that was all i needed to hear and i just went home and wrote it i think so you know it, it's important to remember that when somebody presents something to us too because we can you know we can sort of make or break them in their the furthering of their expression i think you know we have to be mindful of that another creative project you have you know we're, we're actually looking at the poster right behind you right now uh, I don't know if this was your your first thing that you directed. You and your wife directed this movie together, showing up. Which, uh, you know, I I read about that this afternoon, and you've got the poster right there. It, to me, it kind of sounds like you know behind the scenes on what an actor's life is like. And uh, I've talked on several of our episodes here about a documentary that Gregory Itzen was on that uh, you know yeah. really gave me a different look on actors aren't necessarily the career is differently the, the, the whole business side is different what you expect you know can you tell us a little bit about that movie is it something that's easy to find online you know, it's not easy to find right now because um we're we're in between uh, streaming um uh, uh you know vod outlets i guess they're called um so we're still trying to work that out but we you know i'm, I'm not sure if anybody uses uh dvds or see you know dvds anymore but we have them. we have plenty <laughs> so <laughs> if you want to order one you can go to the to the showing up movie website and order one would be happy to send it on to you for anyone who's listening to this um but uh yeah we just decided we wanted to to show a side of, of what it what it means to go through the the process of getting the work that we get without actually showing an audition because we knew that if we followed a, a, an actor or into a room uh, nobody would be themselves the cast the casting director would suddenly be have to perform the director the producers and and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be representative so we decided to uh to treat it as a testimonial uh, you know and have these brilliant actors uh talk about what it does to them and how they feel about it. And, um, and, it, I, you know, I'm, I'm very, very proud of what we did. It's, it's, there's, I can, I can say this with, with a, a, 
reasonable amount of assurance that uh, there is nothing like this film out there now. It's, I mean, there just isn't. So how many times can you say that about something you make? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. In terms of what's going on for you, for you now, James, anything that we should be, uh, keeping an eye out for you've uh recently appeared on I, I guess the show that we always try and find in everybody's filmography you're on law and order svu uh, but uh, oh, anything yeah. anything anything coming out soon that uh we can see you in um no, well we're sort of in works to do a little indie film sort of a noirish uh detective uh story uh, an original story about a story by charles dennis a canadian actually huh. uh Let's see. That's that's going to probably film in August. I'm doing another play with the Ohio Playwrights Conference coming up, um, and I'm working on you know learning my uh, my one man play uh, to right. to see what happens with that someday somewhere. It's a lot of dial. It's a lot of uh, it's a lot of stuff to learn. So I'm <laughs> mm, yeah. I've never had an hour and twenty minute monologue to learn. Oh. Wow. And are you on social media? Is there anywhere people can follow you, follow your music, anything like that? Uh, yes. Uh, t Twitter. Uh, let's see. What is my Twitter handle? At Bill Buchanan, sure. CTU director. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me see. Hang on. I'll tell you right now. I like it when people don't know it. This makes it more interesting. It's, it's at jamespmorrison.com because I had to, you know, there's there's another James Morrison. That bloody Australian. Jeez. <laughs> the nerve. <laughs> that bloody Australian. Yeah. Um, a pretty talented guy, though, I must say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he... Um, I mean, he, in fact, there's another one, the, the Brit singer. He's, he's talented, too. That's right. There is, too. Yeah, I remember him. The name's That's... attached to some, some bloody brilliant talent. That's all I well, can say. Well, we just... just... We were obviously Colin saying we we're sort of in the midst of doing our season one coverage, and we we talk up a lot with Lou Diamond Phillips. The the name Diamond it kind of makes him shine, no pun intended. Yeah. So maybe you can change it to James Diamond Morrison and kind of you know stand out from the pack, or uh, James Gold Bar. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That works. That you yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I did when I first came to LA. I was going to change my name, and I. I got a great agent and we were talking once and, and right off the bat, I just got, I lucked out and got a great agent. And she, and uh, I said, you know, but I'm thinking about, I wasn't even in SAG yet. Thinking about changing my name. Oh, well, I love James Morrison. What do you want to change it to? <laughs> well, you know, my mother's maiden name thought maybe, well, what is it? We'll check on, we'll check with SAG and see, well, it's, it's Cameron, James Cameron. <laughs> So, so oh, of course we the, checked the Miss Royalty checks. You could have accidentally got sent to you there, James. <laughs> we checked with SAG, and of course it was already taken. So I said, I said, you know what? I'm just going to keep my, I'm just going to keep my name. But you know, imagine a couple years earlier, you could have been James Cameron, and right now we'd be talking about you know the Oscar-winning film directed by James Smiggins or something like that. <laughs> Smiggins, yeah, I'm sure he'd gone, he'd have gone with Smiggins. It's a very popular name, that Smiggins. It's, um... Isn't that the isn't that the guy from the Lord of the Rings? <laughs> Smeagol, yeah, close. Oh. James, James Smeagol, yeah, director of Titanic. Yeah. Uh, 
Oh, James, it's been absolutely fantastic to have you on here. Like I said, I didn't even realize until we did this that we have yet to talk to anybody who's lasted more than a single season. And that's partly because very few people last more than a single season. You lasted what for? So uh, thanks so much for joining us here today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Colin. Thanks, Ben. Pleasure talking to you. Huge thanks to James again uh, for talking with us here today and uh, we will give a, a slight correction uh, on a name. As we mentioned in the interview, I think we uh, mentioned that the predecessor that he referred to of Bills was Alberta Green. That was actually a character in season one, but we weren't completely off base because it, it's uh, the name of the actress was what again, Ben? Alberta Watson uh, was right. the name. Um, yeah, the, so the yeah the actress Alberta Watson, uh, the character that Alberta Watson plays obviously is Erin Driscoll. So, um, you know, I hear the name Alberta and I just think of the esteemed Alberta Green, right? So, well, and I think we did mention uh, on one of the episodes about Alberta Green in season um, in season one that they got the name Alberta from the actress Alberta Watson, who would later go on to play Aaron Driscoll. So we weren't that far off base, but uh, still, we know who he was talking about. That's what's important, right? Yeah, and I, I fucked that up. I was the one who jumped in with Green, so, you know, come on now. Uh, blame oh, me. Oh, it's all you, Ben's you, fault, yes. You're allowed to. It's fine. But we got a Smiggins reference. I mean, come on. You know, like a, <laughs> a name that keeps on giving on all our different shows. So, yeah, we'll take it. Uh, but uh, everybody can check out, I was going to say Bill's projects he's got going, but James's projects. Uh if there's a Bill Buchanan out there, I'm sure he's got some good stuff too. But uh, what else we got going on right now, Ben? You know, timeline-wise, where we're at in 24 and other yeah. projects. We're, we're sort of just uh, nearly approaching the halfway in 24, at least when this has uh, been released of season one, of course. Uh, and yeah, Breaking Bad just having started in terms of the timeline, I believe. So kind of uh, we're there and thereabouts. But uh, other exciting stuff. You've got a few things in the pipeline. Uh, we've sort of got some other things that we're slowly getting to. Uh, Space Jam has just uh, mm-hmm. been released in terms of that recap and the, of course, the review of the new Space Jam and new Legacy coming that way. Uh, possibly a Black Widow review, depending on what you and I do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a few things. It's sort of still a bit, uh, you know, we're not as planned as we usually are, uh, unfortunately, with sort of life circumstances. But uh, we, we've still got stuff enough stuff going to to keep both our listeners happy yeah <laughs> particularly 24 that has not gone away so we're lucky with that like we banked a lot of those that, that's always good to bank <laughs> a bunch did. of stuff right so uh yeah. that, that, there you go kids bank stuff and and then when shit hits the fan you, you're ready to go so <laughs> yeah all right so make sure to stay tuned for all our future episodes listen through the end of this to hear how you can follow us how you can subscribe to patreon thank you for subscribing to patreon <laughs> We and just, all the we other... just call them out by name every episode. There's only one. Yes. Thank you, Mr. Smiggins, for subscribing yes. to Patreon. <laughs> Mr. Smiggins, what a man. Uh, so thank you for joining us. Thank you again to James. My name is Colin, and his name is Ben. And my name is Ben, and his name is Colin. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. 
Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)